0: STORY NUMBER 18 OF THE TOYS OF PEACE BY SAKI This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. THE TOYS OF PEACE BY SAKI BY H. H. Munro, CHAPTER 18 MARK Augustus Mellowkent was a novelist with a future. That is to say, a limited but increasing number of people read his book, and there seemed good reason to suppose that if he steadily continued to turn out novels year by year, a progressively increasing circle of readers would acquire the Melokint habit and demand his works from the libraries and bookstalls at the instigation of his publisher he had discarded the baptismal augustus and taken the front name of mark women like a name that suggests some one strong and silent able but unwilling to answer questions augustus merely suggests idle splendour but such a name as mark Mellowkent, besides being alliterative conjures up a vision of someone strong and beautiful and good, a sort of blend of George Carpentier and the Reverend, uh, what's-his-name. One morning, in December, Augustus sat in his writing-room, at work, on the third chapter of his eighth novel. He had described at some length, for the benefit of those who could not imagine it, what a rectory garden looks like in July, He was now engaged in describing at great length the feelings of a young girl, daughter of a long line of rectors and archdeacons, when she discovers for the first time that the postman is attractive. Their eyes met for a brief moment as he handed her two circulars and the fat-wrapper-bound bulk of the East Essex News. Their eyes met for the merest fraction of a second, yet nothing could ever be quite the same again. Cost what it might, she felt that she must speak, must break the intolerable, unreal silence that had fallen on them. "'How's your mother's rheumatism?' she said. The author's labors were cut short by the sudden intrusion of a maid-servant. "'A gentleman to see you, sir.' said the maid, handing a card with the name Caiaphas Dwelf inscribed on it. Says it's important. Mellowkent hesitated and yielded. The importance of the visitor's mission was probably illusory, but he had never met anyone with the name Caiaphas before. It would be at least a new experience. Mr. Dwelf was a man of indefinite age. His high, narrow forehead... Cold grey eyes and determined manner bespoke an unflinching purpose. He had a large book under his arm, and there seemed every probability that he had left a package of similar volumes in the hall. He took a seat before it had been offered him, placed the book on the table, and began to address Kent in the manner of an open letter. You are a literary man, the author of several well-known books. I am engaged on a book at the present moment, <laughs> rather busily engaged, said Mellow Kent pointedly. Exactly, said the intruder. Time with you is a commodity of considerable importance. Minutes even have their value. They have, agreed Mellowkent, looking at his watch. That's said caiaphas is why this book that i am introducing to your notice is not a book that you can afford to be without right here is indispensable for the writing man it is no ordinary encyclopaedia or i should not trouble to show it to you it is an inexhaustible mine of concise information on the shelf at my elbow Said the author, I have a row of reference books that supply me with all the information I am likely to require. Here, persisted the would-be salesman, you have it all in one compact volume. No matter what the subject may be which you wish to look up, or the fact you desire to verify, right here gives you. All that you want to know in the briefest and most enlightening form. Historical reference, for instance. Career of John Huss, let us say. Here we are. Huss, John, celebrated religious reformer. Born 1369, burned at Constance. The Emperor Sinkman, universally blamed. If he had been burnt these days, everyone would have suspected the suffragettes. observed Mellow Kent, Poultry-keeping now resumed caiaphas that's a subject that might crop up in a novel dealing with english country life here we have all about it the leghorn as egg producer lack of maternal instinct in the minorca gapes in chickens its cause and cure ducklings for the early market how fattens there you see there it all is nothing lacking except the maternal instinct in the minorca and you could hardly be expected to supply sporting records that's important too now how many men sporting men even are there who can say offhand what horse won the derby in any particular year now it's just the thing of that sort my dear sir interrupted mellow there are at least four men in my club who can not only tell me what horse won in any given year but what horse ought to have won and why it didn't if your book could supply a method for protecting one from information of that sort it would do more than anything you have yet claimed for it geography said caiaphas unperturbably that's a thing that a busy man writing at high pressure may easily make a slip-over only the other day a well-known author made the volga flow into the black sea instead of the caspian now with this book on a polished rosewood stand behind you there reposes a reliable and up-to-date atlas said mellow and now i must really ask you to be going an atlas said Caiaphas, gives merely the chart of the river's course and indicates the principal towns that it passes. Now, right here, gives you the scenery, traffic, ferryboat charges, the prevalent types of fish, boatsmen's slang terms, and hours of sailing of the principal river streamings. It gives you... Melokent sat and watched the hard-featured, resolute pitiless salesman, as he sat doggedly in the chair wherein he had installed himself, unflinchingly extolling the merits of his undesired wares. A spirit of wistful emulation took possession of the author. Why could he not live up to the cold, stern name he had adopted? Why must he sit here weakly and listen to this weary, unconvincing tirade? Why could he not be Mark? Mellow Kent, for a few brief moments and meet this man on level terms a sudden inspiration flashed across his eyes have you read my last book the cageless linnet he asked i don't read novels said caiaphas tersely oh but you ought to read this one everyone ought to exclaimed Mellowkent, fishing the book down from the shelf published at six shillings. You can have it at four and six. There is a bit in chapter five that I feel sure you would like, where Emma is alone in the birch cusp, waiting for Harold Huntingdon, that is, the man her family want her to marry. She really wants to marry him too, but she does not discover that till chapter fifteen. Listen. Far as the eye could stretch rolled the mauve and purple billows of heather Lit up here and there the glowing yellow of gorse and broom And edged round with the delicate greys and silver and green of the young birch trees Tiny blue and brown butterflies fluttered above the fronds of heather Reveling in the sunlight and overhead The larks were singing as only larks can sing It was a day when all nature... And right here you have full information on all branches of nature study, broke in the book agent, with a tired note sounding in his voice for the first time. Forestry, insect life, bird migration, reclamation of wastelands. As I was saying, no man who has to deal with the varied interests of life. I wonder if you would care for one of my earlier books, The Reluctance of Lady Cullumpton, said Mellow Kent hunting again through the bookshelf some people consider it my best novel ah here it is i see there are one or two spots on the cover so i won't ask more than three and ninepence for it do let me read you how it opens Beatrice, Lady Cullumpton, entered the long, dimly-lit drawing room, her eyes blazing with a hope that she guessed to be groundless, her lips trembling with a fear that she could not disguise. In her hand she carried a small fan, a fragile toy of lace and satinwood. Something snapped as she entered the room. She had crushed the fan into a dozen pieces. There! what do you think of that for an opening it tells you at once that there's something afoot i don't read novels said caiaphas sullenly but just think what a resource they are exclaimed the author on long winter evenings or perhaps when you are laid up with a strained ankle a thing that might happen to anyone Or if you were staying at a house party with persistent wet weather and a stupid hostess and insufferably dull fellow guest, you would just make an excuse that you had letters to write, go to your room, light a cigarette, and for three and nine pence you could plunge into the society of Beatrice, Lady Cullumpton, and her set. No one ought to travel without one or two of my novels in their luggage as a standby. A friend of mine said only the other day that he would as soon think of going into the tropics without Queenine as of going on a visit without a couple of Mark Melokins in his kit bag. Perhaps sensation is more in your line. I wonder if I've got a copy of The Python's Kiss? Caiaphas did not wait to be tempted with selections from that thrilling work of fiction. With a muttered remark about having no time to waste on monkey talk, he gathered up his slighted volume and departed. He made no audible reply to Melokin's cheerful good morning, but the latter fancied that a look of respectful hatred flickered in the coal-gray eyes. End of chapter 18